because you do. You have no choice. It was given to you. You didn't ask for it. You didn't design it. You didn't plan it. But it came to you because it's in your DNA. And so you look like someone that you probably know, which is your mom or your dad. You probably have some brothers and sisters. Have you ever been astounded by, wow, they sound just alike. Their voice, you know, just the same, same uh, voice almost. And so we have all of these, all of these uh, wonderful God-given uh, creative tendencies that the Lord said, I'm going to put this in that person. I'm going to put that in, in this other person. And, and we have legacy. A legacy is something that sometimes is, well, primarily legacy came about in, in like in a 1200 AD. And so that's when it was first used in, in, uh, in the dictionary. It was first used as a, as a uh, inheritance Actually, there was an office of legacy in Great Britain. But we come to know legacy as much more than inheritance. We come to know legacy as that which we have received as came down from our parents. It is our legacy of talents, abilities, whatever you're doing in life, your call. Uh, God gives a call that sometimes messes up your legacy. That's okay. I mean... Is okay if God messes up your legacy. So we have a legacy that, that God is, has sent down through our DNA. And I want to share about that over the next few weeks. Because it's really important that we know that we have a legacy. And it's even more important, the legacy you are forming right now. You have control over your legacy. Hey, get this. You actually have some control over the legacy that you have been given. If you have been given, in the, uh, in the worldly phrase, a, a bad hand, if you've been given a bad hand, you can change that bad hand around. You can change the negative stuff that has come down. Man, my family is just perfect. <laughs> I mean, whatever came down to me, there wasn't one imperfection. There wasn't one issue I mean it was all good and I have some swamp land in Louisiana that I'd be interested in selling to you at a very good price so I've had to work through some of my legacy in fact I'm still probably working through some of it and uh and that is I think is something that we all deal with there's how many has something about yourself that you don't like that's about the best altar call I've ever seen I mean <laughs> I could not believe there would be that much honesty in a church. But really, we do. We have issues about our lives that if we could change it with just a word, we would do it, wouldn't we? And yet, sometimes you can work on those issues as you see them around you and say, you know what, I am breaking this, this trend just because my family acted that way doesn't mean I'm going to act that way. I, I've probably shared this before, but, but uh, I know with, with my, my father, uh, he passed some things on to me that, uh, you know, I thought, man, I don't want to be like that. Because he was a great guy, very quiet, uh, but if you crossed him, it's like you are crossed out forever. You know what I'm saying? So you don't want to cross him, otherwise you're crossed out. And, but that, unfortunately, would also be with personal family members. And you just can't do that, right? 
And so uh, there's, there's issues that sometimes you have happen. You just need to say, you know what? I recognize this as part of, of my DNA. It's part of my family traits, but I don't like that trait. And I don't want that trait. So what do you do? Do you just say, well, that's what I was given and I got to work through it? Or do you say, you know what, I'm going to recognize that and by the power of the Holy Spirit, because I recognize it and my God can do all things, I am going to take it to the throne of grace and say, Lord, you see this as a natural tendency within me. And Lord, I'm lifting it up to you. Because again, what you're doing in life you're living out a legacy while you're also formulating a, a legacy. You're living out what was given to you, but at the same time, you are forging your own. Oftentimes in a wedding, I will say to a, a groom, as you go, so goes your wife. And that phrase really is true about your legacy. As you go in your legacy, so goes your children. So if you have children, you have grandchildren, you, know, you may say to yourself, boy, there's just some dangerous trends there. Those are the trends that you should identify to pray over and to claim that, Lord, that Lord there would be a releasing of your spirit over them and breaking these strongholds. I've always liked the word stronghold because stronghold is, uh, doesn't have to be bad. A stronghold doesn't have to be a, a bad thing at all. Do you know the Bible says that the Lord God is our stronghold? How many would like to be in a stronghold of the Lord? Amen. But there's other strongholds that come to us that are just, they're negative. They're super, super negative. And so I just want to share uh, just a, a beginning thought and just a beginning message. And we're just going to look at it and uh and ask God to bless it because uh, we want to formulate some legacies. What, what, what legacy are you working on right now? What legacy do you see happening in your family? I brought up some real negativity last week or a couple weeks ago. I was mentioning how uh, Nehemiah and the Jews were for 70 years in, in uh, Babylon. And, uh, and that was actually prophesied, 70 years. And then when deliverance came... Uh, at 70 years, it was prophesied as well. And the thing is, many of those people had died. I'm thinking, I brought up 70 years from now, where are we going to be at? And I'm thinking, I was looking across the sanctuary, 70 years from now, I got real, I got this pit in my stomach. <laughs> We're all going to be gone, most of us. Guys, I hate to tell you this, but you're not, you know, you add 70 to wherever you're at. You're kind of harboring right there too. Except we have the promise of eternal life together where there is no more death, no more crying, where there is eternity with Jesus and it never is going to be another day of death. Hallelujah. And we will always worship. We'll never remember this. Because as good as it can be here, there's enough negative and sin that it would contaminate where we would be with Jesus. So uh how many would like to have your mind kind of wiped? You know, your, your memories. Uh, there's good memories, and then there's memories that, you know, they're super negative. It super hurts. So praise the Lord for, for legacy. And obviously, the song that Amber sang was called Legacy. 
Let me just read to you, uh, because there's a lot of words in that song. And so I thought, I want, to, uh, I want to just read these words. So it says, I don't mind if you've got something nice to say about me. How many could say amen? And I enjoy an accolade like the rest. And you could take my picture and hang it in a gallery of all the who's who's and the so and so's. That used to be the best as such and such. It wouldn't matter much. I won't lie. It feels all right to see your name in lights. We all need an attaboy at a girl. But in the end, I'd like to hang my hat on more besides the temporary trappings of this world. I want to leave a legacy. How will they remember me? Did I choose to love? Did I point to you enough? To make a mark on things, I want to leave an offering, a child of mercy and of grace who blessed your name unapologetically and leave that kind of legacy. I don't have to look too far or too long a while to make a lengthy list of all that I enjoy. It is an accumulating trinket and a treasure pile where moth and rust, thieves and such will soon destroy. I want to leave a legacy. Not well-traveled, not well-read, not well-to-do, not well-bred. Just want to hear instead... Well done, good and faithful servant. I want to leave a legacy. I don't mind if you've got something nice to say about me. Hallelujah. Good words, huh? We are formulating a legacy right now. When my mom married my dad, my dad married my mom, they were both unbelievers. At some point, my mom became a Christian, and it was contagious. Her mom became a, a Christian. Her brother, who used to actually pastor here, became a Christian. And they were the only ones out of seven brothers and sisters. And, and so, but they went strong ahead. My dad never gave in uh, until very late in life. And unfortunately, my mom never knew him as a believer, as a Christian. He was never a antagonist against Christianity. He just didn't endorse it or adopt it or embrace it. And so you set a legacy, and your kids are watching, right? That's what we do as kids. We're still kids. I don't care how old you are. We're kids, right? I can tell you who my father is. My father's sitting on the throne right now. I can tell you something really cool about my, my dad, my, my heavenly dad. He owns all the gold on Thousand Hills pretty cool, huh? So sometimes I say, Lord, Father, just a little bit. Yeah. Praise the Lord. But we watch our families, we watch our parents, especially as we are growing up, and we begin to observe how they handle life and what life is all about. And whether you like it or not, I'm sorry to tell you this, especially for those of you maybe who are younger, but you will tend to act like your parents. Even those who say, I will never be like my dad. I will never be like my mom. And all of a sudden, you look in the mirror one day and you think, I look just like my dad. I look just like my mom. And I sound like them. And yes, I do act like them. 
It's hard to get that out of you. You know why? Because it is who you are. God created this wonderful thing called DNA. And that DNA is a super long strand of, of information that God has created and built into us. And that it goes for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles if it was all stretched out. And all of that information makes us who we are. That information identifies us to those that we are birthed from. And so as we look at the amazing things of God, we say, oh God, help me with my legacy. My legacy, I'll talk for, for me and, and Ange, our legacy is our kids. After our kids, four kids, comes our grandkids. They all have to be legacy. They, it's part of it, who we are and what we do. I, all of us agree with that, right? That, that's the paradigm. That's the paradigm. And you want to see a legacy. Here's my simple legacy. I don't want to see anybody in my family go to hell. That's as simple as it gets. I don't want to see one family member not one, enter into the flames. That sounds like a negative, and it is if that's what's happening. But that says to us, you know what? We've got something to pray about. We have something to intercede for. And praise God, we know that when we intercede, we are interceding to the interceder. We are interceding to the high priest who is called the mediator. He's the mediator between God and man. Hallelujah. And he's mediating unto the Father, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And when I'm praying for something, he is saying, Father, Gary is praying about this. I haven't been there actually to hear him. But I'm assuming it's going to be like that because that's what I would do. How about, what do you do? Someone comes and says, would you intercede for me? Are you going to be that much different than how the Lord would intercede to the Father as far as how it's verbalized? Of course, it's going to be from a divine touch. But nonetheless, we're going to intercede. We're going to, we're going to hang in there and say, oh God, I need your, I need your intervention. intervention. So, Here's a thought. How to change your DNA. It is amazing what is done today by medical science. How they can take a test tube uh, and, and they can experiment and they can change the DNA of a person to help stop cancer. There's one uh, method that was used to help stop blindness by changing Changing the DNA. And it is just incredible that that can happen. Unfortunately, sometimes there are some really, really bad side effects. Because you know what? It's man trying to do a God thing. God created, he created that which we apply all of these scientific terms, and they sound so lofty, and those doing so have these wonderful 
doctorates that, that tells everybody I'm qualified to do this. But I've never once seen anyone who's qualified to be God. Except God. God is God. Hallelujah. But it is amazing and it's marvelous to see how he's given information to us and how we can change DNA. And, and to see the miracles that medically can take place. So having said that, I, I want to share with you a thought that took place in the garden. And I'm talking about the Garden of Eden. And so in the Garden of Eden, and I want to read this to you. It's in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. And then I'm going to skip ahead a few verses to uh, verse 12 through 19. And so, brother, if you have that up there, thank you. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. Remember, everything is perfect. Remember this calculation. Genesis 2 comes before Genesis 3. I know. You probably want to write that down. In Genesis 1 and 2, God is saying, and it's good. And it's good. And it's good. And that's good. And this is good. He made man. It's good. In Genesis chapter 3, something goes wrong. And it's not good. But the first time God said it's not good, it was actually before sin came in. And you know what that was all about? <clears throat> he saw Adam in his perfection. Get that, just think about that for a second. No sin. He's walking around naked, doesn't even know he's walking around naked. <laughs> he is perfect in every way. There is no sickness. I doubt if he has a mole. I doubt if he has any imperfection at all. He is perfect. And yet God said, and he just, probably everybody listening, you know, the animals are thinking, wow, what did he just say? And he says, something's not good. Man needs a partner. Man needs someone. He saw the aloneness of Adam, and didn't, Adam didn't even know he was alone. But he was naming all the animals two by two by two by two. So here we go. God created Eve. Now everything's good. Perfection. But in Genesis chapter 3, this is where the enemy comes in. And he still comes in. I would dare say that someone here this morning, you had a little meeting with him. You may not have even knew it. You, you may not have even recognized it was his voice. You know, Satan's really good about talking to you in a way that you don't think it's another person talking. You're just thinking it's your own mind thinking. That's why you need to put on the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation, for me, guards my thoughts. And our thought life is similar to an atomic bomb. There's implications there. So we read that the serpent, more crafty than any of the wild animals... He said to the, to the woman, did God really say? Can I ask you a second? Have you ever had a thought come to you as a believer that you're not really saved? Now I'm going to ask for some boldness. It just becomes a testimony. Now, in other words, confirming what I'm saying. 
I'll be honest with you. I've had that happen before. If you ever had that happen before, raise your hand. You had a thought come in, you're not really saved. Where do you think that comes from? It comes from the very pit. So he has not stopped. It says, he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And then verse 2, the woman said to the serpent, well, we may eat from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it. She kind of added that point. You see, she had such a belief in what God said. She says, not only do I not consume of it, I don't touch it. And you must not touch it or you will die. Oh, verse 4, that changed our history. That changed our legacy. And it says, you will not surely die. The serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, well, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil, persuasive, persuasive. And we look at verse 6, it says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for, fruit, for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. And then she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. Now, as we look at that portion of Scripture or passage, we see the enemy affecting the... Whose DNA does Adam have? That's right. Does, works out in my mind. He's got God's DNA. Eve is created by taking the rib of man... And God breathes breath into her. And she has the DNA of God. Think about it. But now a scientist comes along who says, I'm going to mess with the DNA. Don't get me wrong. Scientists are, are there's, I have nothing against scientists. But this scientist was the enemy, was Satan. And he messed with the DNA to get disbelief added in there. God's not really being totally truthful with you, is what he was really telling her. Come on, have you ever had it happen to you? You've doubted? You thought to yourself, I don't think God really meant that. And you knew all along, down deep in your knower. How many has a knower? Good to have a knower. It's good to know that you have a knower. It's not good if you don't know that you have a knower because you need to have a knower. <laughs> so God has in, embedded into the DNA the things of God. And everything is perfect. But once the DNA got contaminated, immediately death came on the scene. They began to in fact, if we can read the next portion, if you can turn there, bro, and we will read the results. 
verse 12, the man said, the woman you put here with me, I'm telling you, Father, I had a bad feeling about her from the very beginning. You know, I was telling her, you know, I've been here longer than you in the garden. You got to be careful about, you know, who you talk to. You know, some of those animals, they talk. Be careful what they say to you. And I've been, I've been instructing her and telling her that. So he takes the cheap route out and road and he says, the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree. I wasn't going to eat it at first, but I ate it. And then we read on, verse 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And then we see next to that, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. In verse 15, and I will put enmity. Enmity is a strong word originating actually in the King James Version. It's the original word that's used there. I mean, it's not the original. It is the translation that is original is what I'm saying from the King James Version. Enmity. It means there's a, there's a division. There is a barrier. I will put enmity between you and the woman. And by the way, enmity was already happening between God and mankind at this very moment. There's nothing worse in life than to be separated from your God. Come on, somebody here this morning. There's nothing worse in your life. I don't care how bad things may get because of this, 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 or that. There's nothing worse in life than being separated from God. I think one of the saddest times in the Bible is in between Malachi and Matthew. Nothing said. There's no words. But there's 400 years of silence. 400 years of silence. God did not speak. He did not speak through a prophet. God did not speak. Horrible thing. So it says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He, and who is he? Say his name out loud. Say it like you love him. Hallelujah. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. With pain you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And Adam, he said, because, or to Adam he said, because you listened to your wife and you ate from the tree about which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. And then finally, by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground. What does that mean? Until you die. And when you die, you will return. We say, Ashes to ashes, dust to dust. From the dust we came to the dust we will return. 
By the sweat of your brow, you'll eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. That, my friends, is a curse. And we are living out a curse. We also have many blessings. I can tell you without reservation, we have blessings. I know it because there's a song that says, Count your blessings, name them one by one. So I know there's I know there are blessings. Hallelujah. And as I was saying a couple of weeks ago, I am blessed. I am blessed, 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 blessed. I think Brother Jim likes to say, uh, how you doing, Jim? Oh, I'm in the middle of a miracle. Actually, he'll say it like this. Well, Pastor Gary, I'm right in the middle of a miracle. Brother, you're in the middle of a miracle right now? Hallelujah. How many would like to think that you're in the middle, in the midst of a miracle even right now? That's called faith. Why not have faith to believe you're in the middle of a miracle? That is not hyper-faith. That's just good, sound faith. We are in the midst of what God is doing in our life. But here we see that the manipulation of the DNA, which came from the enemy, that manipulated God's DNA in Adam and in Eve, changed the course of the world and brought forth death. And we are still living in that. And that's why there is so much disease and fear and war and all those negative things is part of our legacy. I hate that part of our legacy. But I love the legacy to say I know whom I have believed in and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. Hallelujah. I have a future. You have a future. Someone say amen. amen. But we must promote the legacy right now. And if you need to start making some changes in the next few weeks, this would be a good time to think about it and do it. And begin to say, oh God, I want to pray specifically. It's really important when you pray to pray specifically. I remember hearing a preacher one time saying, you know what, if you're going to pray for finances and you've got this big bill that's over your head, don't just pray for the dollars, pray for the cents too. <laughs> if it's $2,899.36, don't forget the 36 cents. Pray for the whole thing. Be specific. Be specific. And I think it's good that you pray as specifically as you can when you pray. You have not because you ask not, and you have not because you ask amiss. And when you amiss, you miss. That's what happens. So we need to pray effectively. And so as we pray effectively, we need to pray over the legacy of your children. For those of you who have young children, or you have teenagers, I'm not saying you're not praying for them now. But are you praying for their legacy? Pray for their legacy to be godly, to be righteous. Pray for their legacy to be close to the Lord in all that they do. Because they are surrounded by the enemy like never before. It seems like my entire life, 
it's like pray for the kids. When I was a kid, because it's so hard out there. Well, you know what? I think it's a whole lot harder now than it's ever been before. The evil is so much greater, larger, and it's in your face. A lot of the evil used to stay behind closed doors. It's, in fact, that's why we use in the closet. It would stay behind closed doors. Evil would stay away, but just hinting out there, come follow me. Go ahead, eat of the fruit. It's okay. But we know that the Lord is on our side, and that he is our intercessor. Hallelujah. And we need to intercede for our kids. If you have grandkids, intercede for your grandkids. You may think, well, man, they are just the most greatest, they're the most wonderful grandkids in the whole entire world. In fact, how many has ever thought your grandkids are better than everybody else's? So you need to pray for pride. That's what you need to pray about. So we have sometimes a thought that these kids are, you know, especially if they're following the ways of the Lord during church, they're just going to stay that way. And what we need to do is to be in constant prayer over them. You and I are prayer coverings over our families, over our families. So what Satan has done can be undone to a certain extent. The death is still here, but we can, we can go from the corruption he caused and we can say along with this song, you know what? I like a lot of things of this earth, I like compliments. I like uh, add a boy, add a girl. I like all these niceties. I like things. But as the song mentioned from Scripture, the word says that many of the things that we, almost all of the things that we collect, moths and rust will corrupt. Whatever you have, man, I hate to tell you this, this is like some terrible news. Whatever you got, it's going to burn up. Your house, your nice things, your, your belongings, because someday this earth will suffer fire like it's never seen before. There is a destruction that will come one day. But hallelujah, I'm not going to be in the midst of it. And I don't need any of the stuff I got. I like my stuff. How many liked your stuff? Just remember, you can like your stuff, but you didn't marry your stuff. When you marry your stuff, then that's when you have an issue. Hallelujah. So God has given us, and, and I'm going to close with this last point about how to change your DNA. And you're going to love this. This is probably one of your favorite words. You know what you can really do to change your DNA and to change your legacy is to have theology. Is that like one of the greatest words in the world? How many would be honest and say it's a little bit of a dry word? It's not one of my favorite words. But theology, you've got two words there in the Greek that makes up the word we know as theology. Theos and logos. Theos and Logos. That way we get theology. Theos is God. Logos is what? 
I bet you know that. Word. So theology is God's words. Come on, somebody. You want to change your legacy? You want to change your, your way of living? Add theology to your, to your life. Theology is studying God's words. We got someone who had to come up with a fancy name like theology. If he had just said, let's just call it God's words. When you go to church, what do you do? We have theology. God's words. We hear God's words. Hallelujah. You go to care group. You have God's words. We, we were out to dinner last night with Joe and Stacy. We had a great time sharing about things. You know what? What do believers do when they, when they share to get together? You share about the Lord. I mean, you can sidetrack, but you always come back to the Lord. Always come back to the Lord. You know, there's just a magnetism there. It just draws you right back. Why? It's because it's what makes you tick. As a believer, it's what makes you go. I mean, it, it is your first, foremost, top of your paradigm. God first. And you always get drawn back to the things of God. And so what happens? You've got God's words, theology, theos, logos. What will change your life, change your legacy, is theology. And praise the Lord, we got a whole lot of our theology in the New Testament from a guy by the name of the Apostle Paul. Now, you want to talk about someone who is a mess, someone who is evil, someone who is on his way to destruction, someone who was the, the reason for people being thrown into prison, actually killed. It was the Apostle Paul. He was a religious zealot. You know, I would almost take an unbeliever totally over a religious zealot. They worship religion. They don't really re worship God. Paul was in the, and at that place his name was Saul, he was at the point where he was worshiping, he was worshiping tradition. He was worshiping the Torah. He was worshiping the Old Testament. But he wasn't really worshiping God. He had no forbearance of the words that, that uh, was said in the Old Testament and the New Testament. You should love the Lord. You, love. How do you love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength? How do you do that? Well, you have to use your intellect. You have to use your emotions. You have to use your actual strength. When you love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, hallelujah, that's part of what you need to do. And so today, folks, what will change your legacy? What will change the legacy of your kids, of your grandkids, of family members, of the person next door? How many has someone you just don't like? It's okay. You'll get a point for being honest. Maybe we'll give you a couple gospel dollars too. <laughs> Honesty is a good thing. Love it when there's honesty. So my point is this. Pray with theology. God's words. God's words changes everything. All things were created by God's words. Look at the power of God's words. He called some things into existence or all things. All 
all things. Hallelujah. And as we talked about last week with Nehemiah, don't be afraid to remind God about some of his promises. Maybe some of you thought about that since. It's okay to say, Lord, you know, you did say. And, not, and he's not going to smack you around for saying that. He'll, he'll say, I know my child. Thank you for reminding me. Hallelujah. And he will begin to minister to you. Hallelujah. Father, Lord, I thank you, God, that you have given us a legacy. Lord, some of us, we've had to work out some ugly things from the legacy that we inherited. Some of us, oh Lord, are not happy with some of the things that came into our lives, some of the thoughts, some of the attitudes, some of the biased thoughts. And yet, Lord, we know that we can actually, we can actually change some of the legacy that's within us by saying, Lord, I identify these areas that they are not godly. I want to surrender them to you. I, I repent for my life, how I've acted. I repent for my, my family that gave to me this legacy. Again, I repent for the actions of my nation that I live in with this corruption that sometimes is so apparent. Forgive them. Forgive me, O oh Lord. And Father, you see specifically this issue that I'm dealing with. It's the same issue my grandfather had, or it's the same issue the uncle so-and-so had. People say, I act just like him. I just act just like her. Lord, as you know what those things are, would you give us deliverance? Would you give us deliverance? I'm praying today, oh God, for holy deliverance in the name of Jesus. Why continue on a road of antagonism when you can be delivered of it? Give it to the Lord. Call out upon the name of the Father. Hallelujah. Lord, we surrender our lives to you right now. And we pray that you would help us with the legacy that we are building. And where we have fallen short, Holy Spirit, you who reveals all things, who brings into our attention supernaturally, I pray, God, that you would bring into our attention bring it to our attention those things that need to be changed and we confess them to you as well hallelujah we claim we claim family members who are going to be coming after us who are after us right now and we claim them for the kingdom in the name of Jesus folks for those of you who are tracking with me right now you feel this in your spirit I want you to repeat this after me Father God I claim my family members I mean I get I'm wrapping my arms around them I'm claiming them 
for the kingdom of God. And I am praying, I am believing, and I am taking authority over the enemy who is attempting to contaminate their DNA. I refuse him in the name of Jesus. I plead the blood over my children as if it was the doorposts. And I say in the name of Jesus, I am more than a conqueror. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to stand with me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And I just want to invite anybody who needs prayer. If you need prayer to, today, I uh, want you to come forward. And, and uh, any elders here who would like to come and pray with us, uh, this is the time if you're sick in body, if you're in need of a touch from the Holy Spirit, maybe it's something you heard this morning about your legacy that you want to see changed, that uh, you want someone to agree with you about. And uh, family members, you know, maybe you have a family that you're praying over, a spouse that you're praying for. I'm going to ask Joe and Stacy. They've led us in, in many, uh, uh, well, many, lately at least a couple, really excellent courses on uh, blended families, on, and, and it goes on and on, and, and uh, relationships, uh, couples' relationships. Those of you uh, elders, if you would come who are here today as well, and uh, if you're in need of prayer, Again, you have not because you ask not. You have not because you ask not. God wants to restore what you've lost. And when the enemy has contaminated something, he wants to reverse that. So hallelujah. Would you let me pray for you? For those who need to leave, God bless you. But for those who would like prayer, I'm going to ask again that you would come. Father God, I thank you today for your goodness, your righteousness. I thank you for your friendship, oh God. Hallelujah. You are friends with David. You are friends with Abraham. Lord, we, we, uh, we want to be, Lord, your child. We also want the friendship of the Almighty God in our lives. We thank you. We love you. We praise you, Lord, in your precious name. And everyone said, Amen. Hallelujah. And there is a meeting right afterwards for Twin Camp.